Take your Bibles and turn with me this morning to Jeremiah chapter 36. Jeremiah 36. As we begin this morning, I have a question for you, and I hope the answer is real easy. How many of you have a copy of God's Word? Oh, good. Good, good, good. You all have a copy of God's Word. Now, let me ask you a question, and you don't have to raise your hand for this one, but be sure to answer it honestly to the Lord. How many of you hear the Word of the Lord? How many of you take time to read it, to meditate upon it, to think about it, to obey God's Word? Do we hear God's Word? And I don't mean just hear it in our ears, but hear it and do something about it. Today we're going to learn about a king who heard the words of the Lord, but he did not value them, he did not believe them, and he certainly did not obey them. And you might be shocked by what you hear he did with God's word this morning. In fact, I'm shocked. But yet I wonder how often, here in a land in which we have so many Bibles, so many Bibles, do we value it in the same way? How do we value it? Or are we like King Jehoiakim? Well, as we start off here this morning, we're in Jeremiah chapter 36. And you see there, it says in the very first verse that it came to pass in the fourth year of Jehoiakim. Well, how does that fit into our timeline? The fourth year of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah. Well, if we look at our timeline, we can see Jeremiah there. And you see where the yellow bar is? That's about the fourth year of King Jehoiakim. And if you notice here, it's about 23 years after Jeremiah began his ministry. So you see the bar there for Jeremiah? About 23 years have passed in Jeremiah's ministry. And God has a special instruction for Jeremiah here in chapter 36. But... In order for us to understand Jeremiah 36, we need to record a few other details. Do you have your pen? Take your pen out, and I want you to write some references next to the chapter 36. So in your Bibles where you see Jeremiah and you see their chapter 36, maybe your Bible has already noted this, but if it doesn't note that there are parallel passages... Meaning, in order for us to understand all that's going on here in Jeremiah 36, we need to know about some other things. And the way we know about some other things is because you see there where it says it came to pass in the fourth year of King Jehoiakim. Well, did you know that there are other chapters in the book of Jeremiah that tell us this happened in the fourth year of King Jehoiakim? And those are the chapters I want you to write down if they're not already listed there in your Bible. The first one is Jeremiah chapter 45. Jeremiah 45. All of Jeremiah 45 falls sometime in the middle of all that we're going to learn about here today. Jeremiah 45. And then another reference 
I'd like for you to list is Jeremiah 25. So here we are in Jeremiah 36, but we need to remember that 25 and 45 go along with this chapter. Now, you don't have to write this down. Well, actually, you might want to, but you might not have room to write it all down. But really, what we learn about today is actually a summary of the first 23 years of Jeremiah's ministry. And what we learn about today actually is a culmination, and when I tell you, it's the publication of all of the words of the Lord that the Lord has given to Jeremiah, to the people of Israel, for the past 23 years. It all is compiled together and gets published here in chapter 36. And so that would be, we, we're, we're not exactly sure all what it was, but it was probably the sermons that are recorded from Jeremiah 1 through 20 and then chapter 25. So I, I still am miffed as to why Jeremiah is all out of order. I don't know why we didn't just put it all together. I still haven't figured out why the Lord preserved his word in that way. But um, that's the way it is. So here as we're looking at Jeremiah 36, we need to remember chapter 25 and chapter 45. And then know when it talks about this scroll that gets made, most likely, we don't know for sure, but that's a listing of the sermons from chapter 1 through chapter 20. All right? So we have lots of detail going on here this morning as we start. But here it is in the fourth year. Now, can anybody tell me, just by looking there at the timeline, if, if you can think of some other events that might be taking place about this same time? Anybody have any ideas about anything else that might be going on besides the fact that we have the ministry of Jeremiah and we have King Jehoiakim as king? Yeah, Mr. Rinks. That's right. The first deportation. And so if we were to look here, we're right around the year 606 B.C. This is when Nebuchadnezzar came into Jerusalem and he officially made Jehoiakim his subject. Where is his majesty, King Jehoiakim? Come, come, King Jehoiakim. Now, King Jehoiakim, he thinks he's big stuff. He thinks he's special. Now, remember, he was appointed king. Does anybody remember by who? Pharaoh Necho. So he's not really sovereign. He wasn't sovereign from the beginning. He was made king by Pharaoh Necho. And now, in 606 or there a little bit before, a little bit after, he's now reaffirmed as king by Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon. But he still thinks he's big stuff. He still thinks he's very special. He's very great. He's very powerful. Guess what? There's somebody named Jeremiah. You know who he is, right? He's the prophet. Do you like Jeremiah? No. In fact, right now, Jeremiah is hiding from him because he has ordered his henchmen to go find Jeremiah to kill Jeremiah. He wants Jeremiah dead, dead, dead. But Jeremiah, he's, he's hiding. We don't know where he's hiding. When he describes his situation, he says he's shut up. Now, I don't think he's shut up in prison, because if you were shut up in prison, you'd know where he was at, right? Yeah, but he doesn't know where he's at. So he can't be shut up in prison. He's hiding. He's hiding from this king. Jehoiakim has done horrible things. 
the nation of Israel and Judah continues to do horrible, wicked, and evil things. Even though throughout all these years they've heard the prophecies of Jeremiah and the warnings of Nebuchadnezzar coming. And here we are now, when Nebuchadnezzar has made you king. But in order to make sure this guy behaves and to make sure that the governors and the princes of Israel behave themselves, you remember Nebuchadnezzar carried away some captives. He carried away the princes of the land to Babylon as really hostages. They were a combination of hostages as well as men whom he wanted to train in the Babylonian ways to be rulers over their own people. Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah were all appointed and chosen to be these captives. This has just happened. This has just happened. Trouble has come. It's 606 B.C., but it wasn't too bad. Just a few hostages. Not bad. And that's not too bad because Jeremiah's been acting like for a long time that there's going to be trouble, 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 like there's going to be nobody left in all of Judah. But look here. It was just a few men. We don't know how many. Probably less than 100. What he doesn't know is that in 597 B.C., there'll be a second deportation when the tradesmen are carried away captive, among whom was Mordecai and Ezekiel. And what he doesn't know he wouldn't know if he believed God. If he believed the word of the Lord through Jeremiah, is that in 586 B.C., Jerusalem, his capital, would be destroyed. By the way, he's going to long since be dead before then. And indeed, there will be a total, total captivity of the people. These messages have been preached to this guy, but you see, he's more interested in the carvings on his scepter than the word of the Lord, or whatever he's interested in. Really, his evils, his troubles, he's not a good king. He's refused to hear the word of the Lord. And so here now, after 23 years of ministry, Jeremiah, if he would have begun, you know, at 20 years old, his ministry, he'd now be 43, 43 years old. And for 23 years, he's now been preaching through Judah. But they don't listen. And so here now, look with me in Jeremiah 36, in verse 1. It says that this word came unto Jeremiah from the Lord. The days of Josiah, even unto this day. It may be that the house of Judah will hear all the evil which I purpose to do unto them, that they may return every man from his evil way, that I may forgive their iniquity and their sin. So Jeremiah is to take a roll, a scroll, and he's to write all the words of the prophecy that the Lord has given to him. And do you see what the goal of this is? Did you see the goal? The goal is that Judah will hear, hear, hear. And that Judah would then huh, know what God would do to them, these judgments. And in knowing that, that they would return every man from his evil way. That you, King Jehoiakim, would stop your evil ways. Why? 
because God wants to forgive them. God wants to forgive their iniquity and their sin. So the warnings of judgment are coming. By the way, the judgments are still going to come. But in spite of the judgments still coming, God longs to still forgive. Let me tell you something. You see him up here? He doesn't look like he's paying any attention, does he? He's terrible. He's a bad example for all you kids. He's just terrible. He's not paying any attention. That's because he's playing the part of Jehoiakim. Don't be like Jehoiakim. Here, when God speaks, give value to what you have, this treasure in God's word. Have an appetite for it. Long for it. Read it. Study it. Memorize it. Think about it. Obey it. Don't be like King Jehoiakim. Well, Jeremiah, meanwhile, this command comes to him. He's over here. He's hiding. He's hiding. Now, just for a mad moment here, imagine, well, actually, your majesty, can you just come on down? You're just way too distracting. Just go sit down over there somewhere. Way too distracting. Because we're going to refocus over here to Jeremiah. He's hiding over there. We don't know where he's hiding, but he's shut up. But he, he calls someone. It tells us in verse 4, Then Jeremiah called Barak, the son of Neriah. So, call for Barak. Barak! Who's he? Well, he's the scribe here. You know what a scribe is? Micaiah, do you know what a scribe is? A scribe is a person who is a writer. And in this case, he's one who is writing out the words of Jeremiah that the Lord has given to him. And so, Jeremiah, he calls for Barak. They're in hiding. They're shut up. It's a secret what's going on here. And here it tells us that Jeremiah gives to Barak the words of the Lord for him to write in a scroll. So, here for a period of time, you going to start writing? Barak here. He hears these words from Jeremiah that Jeremiah gives him from the Lord. And it's probably Jeremiah chapter 1 through 20. Now, how many of you have ever taken the time to sit down and write out the book of Jeremiah? Any of you done that? No? You haven't? Maybe you should. Maybe we all should. You know, there's a few reasons why maybe we should. We'd probably be able to understand better with what is going on with Barak. It might cause us to actually value our Bibles more. See, we just go buy these things. Sometimes we buy them because they look cool. How much more would we value not only the pages, but the words, if the only way for us to get them would to go to the temple and sit down and write out our own copy? Do you think that your Bible would be extra special if you had to write it out and, and only had a limited time? to see a copy, to make a copy of it? Well, here now, we have not just a copy. We have an original going on here. Jeremiah is being inspired by God to give details to Barak to write. And you notice Barak, he's kind of writing funny, isn't he? Can anybody notice something funny about how Barak is writing? Oh, how's he writing funny? Do you know? 
You don't know? Anybody notice? Yeah, Mr. Rinks. He's writing right to left. Yeah, did you all notice that? That's because he's writing Hebrew. He's writing Hebrew. God is inspiring Jeremiah with words, and Jeremiah is dictating those to Barak to write them down. And here Barak is writing them down. Now, I don't know how much he wrote. We think that perhaps it was all of Jeremiah 1 through 20. So take your Bibles with me for a moment and turn to Jeremiah chapter 1. And just, just here for a moment... Let's, let's, let's look here at what Barak likely is writing here in this day. And just begin there in chapter 1 and just turn the pages and look at all the words that Barak is writing. All these words, you know, began with his call. I imagine here Jeremiah is detailing his call that he had. And then we have some of the sermons that he preached during the days of Jehoiakim's father. And just turn the pages and look, all of this writing. Now, could you imagine having all of this received of the Lord and being with, being Barak here and having to write it? Do you think you would get tired? I probably would get tired. I mean, just keep, I'm just, I'm still turning the pages. I haven't reached yet chapter 20. I'm just going all of this. Barak is writing as the Lord has given it to Jeremiah. That would take a long time. That would be a lot of dedication. And you know what? I think Barak got tired. I think Barak got tired, especially if he made mistakes. Because scribes took their job really serious. And sometimes when they would make a mistake, they'd start over. That's a lot of work. You know how long I think it took Barak and Jeremiah to do this project? An entire year. An entire year. And one of the reasons I think that is because this command came in the fourth year of King Jehoiakim. And we find out this scroll is done, and God's plan for this scroll takes place, if we look in verse 9, in the fifth year of King Jehoiakim. Well, you know what? In the middle of all of this, you see here, Barak, he's got a good smile on his face. He's real cheerful about doing this job. You know, I'm not sure that the real Barak felt that way. Well, I think he maybe started off that way, but after about how many leaves in it, he became weary. How do we know that? Because of Jeremiah chapter 45. Turn over to Jeremiah 45. God comes to Jeremiah with a message. And it's interesting because if I'm reading Jeremiah 45, I think we get a little glimpse into the Holy Spirit knowing what Barak is saying in his head. He might have said it, but definitely he said it in his mind. And the Lord knew it. And the Lord knew that Barak was weary with this job. In fact, if we look here in, in, in this chapter here, um, we find out that the Lord says of Barak that Barak had said, oh, whoa, woe is me now, for the Lord hath added grief to my sorrow. I fainted in my sighing, and I find no rest. Now, whether or not he said this out loud in his closet 
or in his bedroom, or when he was alone looking over his scroll, or if he said it aloud to Jeremiah, we don't know. But at some point, Barak had said this. He was overwhelmed with sorrow and weariness and being tired. He has a big job here that's very important. And so here, if we look in Jeremiah 45, it tells us that the word that Jeremiah the prophet spake unto Barak when he had written these words in a book at the mouth of Jeremiah. In the fourth year of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah. That's how we know where this chapter takes place. And here, Jeremiah encourages Barak. I imagine there's one day here after the Lord gives you this word of encouragement for Barak. And I don't know, maybe it was a good day for you, bad day. I don't know what it was. But listen now to these words that Jeremiah shares from the Lord for Barak. Thus saith the Lord, the God of Israel, unto thee, O Barak, thou didst say, Woe is me now, for the Lord hath added grief to my sorrow. I fainted in my sign, and I find no rest. Thus shalt thou say unto him, The Lord saith thus, Behold, that which I have built, I will I break down, and that which I have planted, I will pluck up even the whole land. And seekest thou great things for thyself? Seek them not. For behold, I will bring evil upon all flesh, saith the Lord. But thy life will I give unto thee for a prey in all places, whither thou goest. Mm. You know, I've been thinking about this here that Jeremiah said to you. It's a it's just a wee bit encouraging. Did you see? I, here, he, here he is. He, he's, he's weary. He's, whoa, woe is me, he says. He's got grief and sorrow, and he's, he's fainted in his sighing. <sighs> and he can't find rest. And the Lord gives him uh, uh, huh. Does this sound very encouraging? Behold, that I have built, I will break down. That doesn't sound very encouraging. And that which I have planted, I will pluck up. Even the whole land. You're not very encouraging. He's passing on the words of the Lord. You see, Barak thinks it's tough right now. And the Lord's telling you, you haven't seen anything yet. It's going to get worse and worse and worse and worse. You know, how many of you, when you're young, you imagine great things for yourself? You have big plans and goals. You're going to be a doctor. You're going to be a lawyer. You're going to be a marine biologist. Whatever those things are that you want to be, those great things, God says to Barak, seek him not. He's telling Barak, the words you're writing here, it's a problem. There's a problem. There's going to be evil upon all flesh. But then you get a promise. Your life. All the trouble that's coming, Barak's going to survive it. He's going to live through it. He's going to be spared, even though, and I don't know what I think of this, 
Barak, I don't know what you think of it. He says that your life will be given to you for a prey. That's kind of sort of encouraging at the same time. Not so much. How would you all like for me to tell you, you've got your life, but you're going to be hunted your whole life? How many of you would think that was very encouraging? Well, that's what it was. It was both a warning and also an encouragement. Barak, you'll survive. You'll live. Don't be afraid. But your life will be a prey. Because some of the things that he's writing here are a big deal. Well, so all of this takes place, and they, they finish this scroll. Perhaps a year after they started it. And then, in verse 5, Jeremiah commanded Barak, saying, I am shut up, and I cannot go into the house of the Lord. Therefore, go thou and read in the roll which thou hast written from my mouth. The words of the Lord in the ears of the people in the Lord's house upon the fasting day. And also thou shalt read them in the ears of all Judah that come out of their cities. It may be thy will present their it may be they will present their supplication before the Lord and will return every one from his evil way. For great is the anger and the fury that the Lord hath pronounced against this people. Here's the plan. Jeremiah is shut up. He's in hiding. He does not dare show him face, himself. But he tells Barak now, take this scroll we've been working on for a year. Go to the temple. Read it to the people. Read it to the people. And so, it came to pass, if we look then, in verse 9, that it was in the fifth year. So here, about this, notice up here, this is the 606 B.C., that arrow coming down here. This is right about the time Nebuchadnezzar came through that this command came. And now here, we're a year later as we move forward. And Barak is supposed to go to the temple. Now, when does it take place? Well, it tells us here that it took place in the ninth month. Now, you might be thinking that must be September, but it's not. See here, the ninth month, the white line on the outside, circle. If we zoom in on the ninth month, we find out that it's during our November, December. December time. It's cold. It's cold out. And so Barak, he's going to take this scroll he's written, and he's going to come, and we're going to imagine over here is the temple and the gate of the temple. And Barak, he takes that scroll, and Jeremiah, he, he goes and he hides. And I imagine about now, he hides extra good. He hides extra good. Because this is not a good situation that's going to come. Well, so here, imagine now you're with me and you're at the temple. And the king's not here, but you all are here. And then Barak, he comes and he begins to read the scroll. Now, it doesn't take you too long to read Jeremiah 1 through 20. Is that what all he read? Did he all read it in one day? I, I don't know all the details of it, but it appears that he read it all in one day. And I imagine that chapter 25 of Jeremiah was the last thing that he read. And I'd like for you to listen as he reads some of chapter 25. From the 13th year of Josiah, the son of Ammon, the king of Judah, 
even unto this day, that is the three and twentieth year, the word of the Lord hath come unto me, and I have spoken unto you, rising early and speaking, but ye have not hearkened. And the Lord hath sent unto all his servants the prophets, rising early and sending them, but ye have not hearkened, nor inclined your ear to hear. They said, Turn ye again now every one from his evil way, and from the evil of your doings, and dwell in the land of the Lord, which he hath given unto you and to your fathers forever and ever. And go not after other gods to serve them, and to worship them, and provoke me not to anger with the works of your hands, and I will do you no hurt. Yet ye have not hearkened unto me, saith the Lord, that ye might provoke me to anger with the works of your hands and your own hurt. Therefore, thus saith the Lord of hosts, because ye have not heard my words, behold, I will send and take all the families of the north, saith the Lord, and Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, my servant, and will bring them against this land and against the inhabitants thereof and against all these nations round about and will utterly destroy them and make them an astonishment and a hissing and perpetual, perpetual desolations. Moreover, I will take from them the voice of mirth and the voice of gladness, the voice of the bridegroom and the voice of the bride, the sound of millstones and the light of the candle. And this whole land shall be a desolation and an astonishment. And these nations shall serve the king of Babylon 70 years. Mm. The warning has been given over and over and over and over again. And now it's getting really specific. And there's some people who are listening to this. And they're hearing these words. Oh, don't go too far, Barak. Barak, Barak, you don't go too far. Because there's a guy who, who, uh, who, who, who really heard what you had to say. His name was? His name was... Micaiah. You want to be Micaiah? No? Okay. Who wants to be Micaiah? Okay, come on up here. You be Micaiah. And, and you know what? You hear these words, and you're just, you're afraid. You're afraid. But you know one of the reasons why I think you were afraid? Because you know who your granddad is? You know who your grandpa is, but you know who Micaiah's granddad was? A guy named Shaphan. How many of you remember Shaphan? Shaphan's the guy who in Jehoiakim's father's day brought the word of God that was found in the temple before the king and read it to him. And when the word of God was read to King Josiah, what did he do? He tore his garments in horror of the disobedience of his people. You see, it just wasn't just in this generation. This disobedience has been going on for years and years and years, and God has been sending prophets for years and years and years, and no one will listen, and no one will listen. Even to Josiah. 
even to your grandpa, who would read the law to the king and to the people. They wouldn't listen. So here you are, you're sitting here and you're listening to Barak read the, the words of the Lord from Jeremiah. And this is, this is reminding you of things you've read in God's word, the law, but you, you've, this, is, this is new. This is more specific. This is bringing to pass what God had warned in the days of Moses so long before. Now, your granddad was a scribe. You know what? Just like Barak. You maybe knew Barak. Maybe your dad and him are friends. Well, you know what? Your dad's a scribe too. Hey, I need his dad. Where's his dad? Oh, did he go somewhere else? Oh, you want to be his dad? No, you can't be his dad. Well, okay, you can come on up here. You sit over here. And I need a few other princes to come sit on up over here. Uh, let's see here. I need, uh, let's, let's see, five or six guys. Nathan, Elijah, um, Owen. Oh, yes, come on up. Mr. Rinks, you come too. We've got some princes, some scribes, and some people. Oh, Philip, you want to come, 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 Philip? Yes, okay, here we go. We got, some, we got some princes. Here, put on your princely garbs. That one might not work for you. Yeah. Philip, you want to be a prince? Oh, yeah. Or a scribe? So, you've just now heard Barak reading the words of Jeremiah in the temple. And, and, and uh, you, you, you know some people want to hear about this. You know your dad wants to hear about this. And so you go running to the palace and you go into the scribes chamber where you find scribes and princes all there together. And, and that's what Micaiah, he comes here and he, he tells them all that he had heard from Barak that he had read there in, in the gate of the temple. And, and when, when, when everybody heard this, they, they decided they needed to send um, Jehudai to get Barak. Now, should I be Jehudai? Yeah, okay, I'll be Jehudai. Because I need to go get Barak. Because you guys all want to know more about this scroll. So I'm going to go and I find Barak. Now, I'm not sure if you were still at the temple. Maybe some people had some questions for you afterwards. Don't know. Maybe you went back into hiding. Maybe I knew where you were at. Or maybe I didn't. I don't know. But anyway, you need to come. You need to come to the palace, into the chamber of the scribes where there are princes. And you know what? When they bring Barak in, they say to him, Take in thine hand the roll wherein thou hast read in the words of the people and the ears of the people, and come. And so he's come. So he takes this and he has it. And, and they say to him, Sit down now and read it in our ears. And so Barak, he sits down and he reads it in their ears. And again they come all through all of this. And they get to the end, and these people respond very similar to the way that, uh, to the way that your grandpa responded. Shaphan, they're afraid. The way that Josiah responded, they're afraid. Both one and the other. And um, one of these princes, he, he speaks to, to Jeremiah. 
and he declares to him, We will surely tell the king all these words. The king needs to know about this. But then they asked Barak. They asked him, Tell us now, how didst thou write all these words at his mouth? He pronounced all these words unto me with his mouth, and I wrote them with ink in the book. Go hide thee thou and Jeremiah, and let no man know where ye may be. Hmm. That's interesting. They must know something scary. Go hide. Right, but don't take that scroll. Don't take that scroll. We need that scroll here. Yes, we need that little scroll here. Because see, they know he's in danger. They know Jeremiah is in danger. They go hide. They study this book. They prepare the contents of it. And then they're going to take and they're going to just put this scroll away here in one of their chambers. Actually, the chamber of Shaphan's son, Micaiah's father. They're going to leave it there in his office. And then they're going to go see the king. And now, King Jehoiakim, you're, you're in your winter palace. You're in your winter palace. It's cold. He's sitting by the fire. Oh, and you know what? We have him coming, but I, I, need, I need three big men. Who are some big men? Let's see. I think I see some here in the, the Fleming, Fleming Row. Three big men. You guys come. You stand up here next to your king. You know who you are? You're his bodyguards. Actually, they're his henchmen. They're his assassins. They're his bodyguards. So, yeah, you guys surround them. One of you right behind them and on either side of them. Yep. And so now here, you princess, you all come, and you come into the king's presence, and you guys just kind of stand in a circle here around the king. And you know what they do? They begin to tell the king the words of Jeremiah. And you know, in a big deal, these things were not new to the king. He'd already heard them. He's already won Jeremiah. Dead, 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 dead. He just hadn't been able to find them. Well, now here, they come before the king. For it tells us that they went in to the king, into the court. But they laid up in the chamber of Elisha the scribe and told all the words in the ears of the king. They gave him a report of what was in that scroll, a summary. Well, if you're a good king and somebody comes and tells you, thus saith the word of the Lord, how many of you are going to say, let me see it, Right? So, is this a good thing? Joy, Kim, he really has a true desire and interest to know what God has said, right? For he says to them, Fetch the roll. Fetch the roll. That's my job. I'm the servant for the scribe, so I go, I go to the office, and I find the scroll. Sound a little bit like what happened in the days of his dad? And so, I bring this to the palace into this special place, and um, I, the servant, I begin to read from this scroll. And I start to read of the judgments that are coming, the call of Jeremiah, and I'm reading this here in the ears of the princes, others in the court, the bodyguards, oh, and 
His majesty. And you know, I, I, read the, I read the first leaf here. And when I get done with reading the first leaf, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to roll it up here to then go on to the second leaf. But you know, as soon as I came with that first little leaf and began to go on to the second leaf, he got really interested in my scroll. And, and you know what he does? He wants my scroll. Should I let him have my scroll? You shouldn't be shaking your head no. You're one of the henchmen. So here, here I've just read a leaf, and he wants the scroll. So he, he takes the scroll after I've just read one leaf, and what's he going to do with a knife? Oh, you don't know what you're doing. It's this way. You're I've just read this section, and this first section I've read... going to cut it and he's burning it. Now you guys are all sitting here watching me like some of you are like no, 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 no don't do that. So here I've read that leaf and so my poor scrolls in disarray I keep reading I keep reading and I read the next section. And you know what he does? Since he's too fancy with his knife, he cuts it again. And then I go and I read the next section. Well, he's playing in the fire. And, and I read the next section. Careful, don't get too carried away. <laughs> and so here I'm reading, as I'm going through and I'm reading these different things, here he is, he's taking it and he's burning it. And that doesn't make any sense. He's burning the words of the Lord. And time goes by and time goes by, and you know what? We're not going to act it all out, but it gets to the point where he takes and piece by piece by piece by piece, he burns up the entire scroll. And the priests or the princes, they're standing here, and they're looking at him, and, 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 they're, and they're saying, please, we implore you, don't burn it. But he wouldn't. He wouldn't listen. And remember how that, that ended in chapter 25? It ended there in chapter 25 with these words, this whole land shall be a desolation and an astonishment, and these nations shall serve the king of Babylon 70 years. And you know what his majesty says when he's heard all of this? Why has Jeremiah written therein, saying, The king of Babylon shall certainly come and destroy this land, and shall cause to cease from thence men and beasts? Now imagine for a moment here that you're Barak, that you're Jeremiah, that you're these princes. You know, I could go print the whole Bible, you know, 
actually just right now, I could just go click print and it print it. And I could just walk away and it would be done by the time we probably finished the morning service. It took a year, probably, for Barak and Jeremiah to write this portion of God's word for the king. And what has he just done with it? He has cut it up and he has burned it. He has burned it, refusing to hear the word, refusing to hear the word of the Lord. And that some of the men, some of the princes there, they pled with him to stop, to stop, but he wouldn't listen. And when he's finished burning the word of the Lord, refusing to hear, not just ignoring, but now refusing to hear, now becoming an agnostic and an animosity and building in him, he turns to his three henchmen. Oh, I'm sorry, bodyguards. And he commands them, go, take Barak the scribe and Jeremiah the prophet. And you know what? It's not to take him out to dinner. Hey, you better be hidden. And you guys, you don't find him. Yeah, you can't even, you, you might have even walked right past him. You know, it's actually kind of cool that they did that. Because it says here, but the Lord hid them. Maybe there's times where this happens. They're just blind. They can't see. They're going, those henchmen. And again, he says, go, take Barak, the scribe and Jeremiah the prophet. And again, this isn't take them so we can go out to dinner and talk about their words. This is take them. So Jehoiakim can kill them. Then the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah. After that, the king had burned the scroll, and the words which Barak had wrote at the mouth of Jeremiah, saying, Take thee again another roll, and write in it all the former words that were in the first roll, which Jehoiakim the king of Judah hath burned. Thou shalt say to Jehoiakim king of Judah, Thus saith the Lord, Thou hast burned this roll, saying, Why hast thou written therein, saying, The king of Babylon shall certainly come and destroy this land and shall cause to cease from thence man and beast? Therefore thus saith the Lord of Jehoiakim king of Judah, He shall have none to sit upon the throne of David, and his body shall be cast out in the day to the heat and in the night to the frost, and I will punish him and his seed and his servants for their iniquity. And I will bring upon them and upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem and upon the men of Judah all the evil that I have pronounced against them. But they hearkened not. Here now, Barak and Jeremiah again now to record again the words of the Lord. And they add many more words to that scroll. Words of the Lord. God has pronounced judgment upon Jehoiakim. And you know what? It came to pass. It came to pass. Jehoiakim died and his dead body was cast out into the field. He was given what was called in Jeremiah prophesied in Jeremiah 22, the burial of an ass, a donkey. Ugh. But you see here again, 
all this evil is coming because God says, I've pronounced it against them. And look at the last phrase there of verse 31. I, I, I question whether or not this would have the narrator or if this was the Lord speaking. And, and either way, it's the Lord speaking because the narrator is the Holy Spirit. But they hearkened not. You see it all over this guy's face. You know? He doesn't want to hear. He doesn't want to listen. He doesn't want to obey. You know, some of us are smart enough not to do this on the outside. But we're doing it on the inside. He's not doing this on the inside. Let's have a hunger for God's word, a longing for God's word, a desire for God's word. Let it not be said of us as was said of these people there in the last phrase of verse 31, but they hearkened not. Hearkened means that you hear and you do something about it. They would not hear and they would not obey. And so the judgments came. The judgments came. And now there's yet another scroll. Where'd that other scroll go? There we go. Notice when I gave him the first scroll, I didn't make it all nice because I knew what he was going to do to it. But here now, there is the scroll of Jeremiah, the sermons. I think this is the first autograph of what we carry in our day with the book of Jeremiah. They wouldn't hear it. They wouldn't hear it. They wouldn't hear it. Some of you did. Some of you did. And I think some of the reason why these people were willing to hear the word of the Lord in this day is because I believe, like we learned about Shaphan's grandson, I think the reason why he was ready to hear the words of the Lord is because his dad and his granddad had been teaching him the word of the Lord, teaching him what it meant to hearken to the words of the Lord, even from the days of Moses, and to obey and they were ready to obey. And they were horrified when they saw what the king was doing. So who are we going to be like? Are we going to be like the family of Shaphan? And hear the words of God? Want to hear? Want to read? Want to memorize? Want to think about them? Or are we going to be like Jehoiakim? It's kind of funny. He's drinking his coffee. You know, there's lots of people who talk like coffee. They can't get through the day without it or whatever it is that you can't get through the day without. We can't get through the day without God's word. We need to be hungry for God's word, to hear it and to obey it. Let's not be like joy again. Okay? So this week, let's purpose to read God's word. Let's purpose to keep memorizing the family Bible time verses. And let's purpose to study and think about what we read and to obey. And dads, let's be like Shaphan and like his son and hopefully his son and be teaching God's word for his glory. Great God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this example given to us. May we day by day trust and obey. We praise you. We love you. In your name we pray. Amen.